Section thirty three of the Underground Railroad, Part one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Underground Railroad, Part one, by William Still. Section thirty three. William Taylor, Louisa Brown, Jacob Waters, and Alfred Golden. Arrival from Baltimore. William N. Taylor. One hundred dollars reward ran away from richmond city on tuesday the second of june a negro man named william n taylor belonging to mrs margaret tyler of hanover county said negro was hired to fitzherg mayo tobacconist is quite black of genteel and easy manners about five feet ten or eleven inches high has one front tooth broken and is about thirty-five years old he is supposed either to have made his escape north or attempted to do so. The above reward will be paid for his delivery to Messrs. Hill and Rawlings in Richmond or secured in jail so that I get him again. James G. Tyler, trustee for Margaret Tyler. June 8th, Richmond Inquirer, June 9th, 57. William unquestionably possessed a fair share of common sense, and just enough distaste to slavery to arouse him most resolutely to seek his freedom. The advertisement of James G. Tyler was not altogether accurate with regard to his description of William, but notwithstanding, in handling William down to posterity, the description of Tyler has been adopted instead of the one engrossed in the records by the committee but as a simple matter of fair play it seems fitting that the description given by william while on the underground railroad of his master etc should come in just here william acknowledged that he was the property of walter h tyler brother of ex-president tyler who was described as follows he master was about sixty-five years of age was a barbarous man very intemperate horse racer chicken cock fighter and gambler he has owned as high as forty head of slaves, but he had gambled them all away. He was a doctor, circulated high amongst Southerners, though he never lived agreeably with his wife, would curse her and call her all kinds of names that he should not call a lady. From a boy of nine up to the time I was fifteen or sixteen, I don't reckon he whipped me less than a hundred times. He shot at me once with a double-barreled gun. What made me leave was because I worked for him all my lifetime, and he never gave me but two dollars and fifteen cents in all his life. I was hired out this year for two hundred dollars, but when I would go to him to make complaints of hard treatment from the man I was hired to, he would say, G blank D, D blank N it. Don't come to me. All I want is my money. Mr. Tyler was a thin, raw-boned man with a long nose, the picture of the president. His wife was a tolerably well-disposed woman in some instances. She was a tall, thin-visaged woman, and stood high in the community. Through her I fell into the hands of Tyler. At present she owns about fifty slaves. His own slaves, spoken of as having been gambled away, came by his father. He has been married the second time. Twice William had been sold and bought in on account of his master's creditors, and for many months had been expecting to be sold again to meet pressure claims in the hands of the sheriff against Tyler. He, by the way, now lives in Hanover County, about eighteen miles from Richmond, and, for fear of the sheriff, makes himself very scarce in that city. At fourteen years of age William was sold for eight hundred dollars. He would have brought in, 1857, probably twelve hundred and fifty dollars. He was a member of the Baptist Church in good and regular standing. Louisa Brown, 
Louisa is a good-looking, well-grown, intelligent mulatto girl of sixteen years of age, and was owned by a widow woman of Baltimore, Maryland. To keep from being sold, she was prompted to try her fortune on the Underground Railroad for freedom in Canada, under the protection of the British Lion. Jacob Waters and Alfred Golden Jacob is twenty-one years of age, dark chestnut color, medium size, and of prepossessing manners. Fled from near Frederick, Maryland, from the clutches of a farmer by the name of William Dorsey, who was described as a severe master, and had sold two of Jacob's sisters south, only three years prior to his escape. Jacob left three brothers in chains. Alfred is twenty-three years of age, in stature quite small, full black, and bears the marks of ill usage. Though a member of the Methodist Church, his master, Fletcher Jackson, thought nothing of taking the shovel to Alfred's head, or of knocking him and stamping his head with the heels of his boot. Repeatedly of late he had been shockingly beaten. To escape those terrible visitations, therefore, he made up his mind to seek refuge in Canada. Arrival from Baltimore. Jefferson Pipkins, Elias David Jones, Louisa Pipkins, Elizabeth Britt, Harriet Brown, Elias Jane Wooten, Gracie Murray, Elias Sophia Sims, Edward Williams, Elias Henry Johnson, and Charles Lee, Elias Thomas Bushier. Six very clever-looking passengers, all in one party from Baltimore, Maryland, the first Sunday in April, 1853. Baltimore used to be in the days of slavery one of the most difficult places in the South for even free-colored people to get away from, much more for slaves. The rule forbade any colored person leaving there by railroad or steamboat, without such applicant had been weighed, measured, and then given a bond signed by unquestionable signatures, well known. Baltimore was rigid in the extreme, and was a never-failing source of annoyance, trouble, and expense to colored people generally, and not unfrequently to slaveholders, too, when they were traveling north with colored servants. Just as they were ready to start, the rules would forbid colored servants until the law was complied with. Parties hurrying on would, on account of this obstruction, have to wait until their hurry was over. As this was all done in the interest of slavery, the matter was not very loudly condemned. But, notwithstanding all this weighing, measuring, and requiring of bonds, many travelers by the Underground Railroad took passage from Baltimore. The enterprising individual, whose name stands at the head of this narrative, came directly from this stronghold of slavery. The widow Pipkins held the title deed for Jefferson. She was unfortunate in losing him, as she was living in ease and luxury off of Jefferson's sweat and labor. Louisa, Harriet, and Grace owed service to George Stewart of Baltimore. Edward was owned by Charles Mundu and Charles Lee by the above Stewart. Those who would have taken this party for stupid, or for know-nothings, would have found themselves very much mistaken. Indeed, they were far from being dull or sleepy on the subject of slavery, at any rate. They had considered pretty thoroughly how wrongfully they, with all others in similar circumstances, had been year in and year out subjected to unrequited toil, so resolved to leave their masters and mistresses to search for themselves, while they would try to find their fortunes in Canada." Four of the party ranged in age from twenty to twenty-eight years of age, and the other two from thirty-seven to forty. The committee on whom they called rendered them due aid and advice, and forwarded them to the committee in New York. The following letter from Jefferson, appealing for assistance on behalf of his children in slavery, was peculiarly touching, as were all similar letters. But the mournful thought that these appeals, sighs, 
tears and prayers would continue in most cases to be made till death that nothing could be done directly for the deliverance of such sufferers was often as painful as the escape from the auction block was gratifying letter from jefferson pipkins september twenty eighth eighteen fifty six to william still sir i take the liberty of writing to you a few lines concerning my children for i am very anxious to get them and i wish you to please try what you can do for me their names are charles and patrick and are living with mrs joseph g ray murfreesboro hartford county north carolina emma lives with a lawyer baker in gatesville north carolina and susan lives in portsmouth virginia and is stopping with dr collins sister a mrs nash you can find her by inquiring for dr collins at the ferry boat at portsmouth and rose a colored woman at the crawford house can tell where she is and i trust you will try what you think will be the best way and you will do me a great favor yours respectfully jefferson pipkins p s i am living at yorkville near toronto canada west my wife sends her best respects to mrs still end of section thirty three and end of the underground railroad part one by william still